Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right now, we're going to head out once again to the SDCCU fan hotline. Uh, welcome a, a friend. Uh, he's been a longtime writer in this community. Now, now doing a marvelous job for Padres.com and the Friar Wire. Bill Center joins us on 97.3 The Fan. Bill, good morning. How are you? John, I couldn't be better. And by the way, Coach, I just want to say welcome back. It's been too long. Good to hear your voice again. Well, I appreciate that, Bill. Hey, we're trying to have some fun here this morning, and uh, I, I threw it out. I could have gone a couple of different ways. We'll probably circle back on this subject. Uh, and I know people do the, you know, the Mount Rushmore of this and the Mount Rushmore of that, but you know, we got a great history in this community. And and I know over the last year or so, with that football team moving up the freeway and some of the hits uh, uh, this town has taken, uh, we forget this great history. And uh, what what I threw out today was, you know. Pick four people that either played or coached at the college or pro level that you would put on the Mount Rushmore. And, you know, there's two that are slam dunks for me, and I think you would agree, Tony Gwynn and Junior Seau. And then after that, we got a a host of selections. So we're talking about at the college level? Yeah, guys that played or coached, you know, at the college level here in town, or, you know, uh, played for, you know, a professional team or coached for a professional team. I'm kind of taking the, the, the San Diego and the guy that grew up and went to high school here out of the equation right now. Uh, but again, give me your thoughts on that. Well, Coriel definitely would be in my list. And, uh, if, if I'm talking about guys that played, well, I'd put Hoffman in there, but Marshall Falk's pretty hard to ignore. So my list would be your two plus uh, Don Coriel and uh, I'll go with Trevor Hoffman. Yeah, over. And you know what? A lot of people, I think, have forgotten the impact that Coriel had on on football in this community. I mean, think about where the Chargers were. You know, they had some really good years under Sid Gilman, and, and then they had some really dormant years for a long period of time. And when Coriel came in, you know, a lot like Gilman. I mean, they threw the ball, and it wasn't just these little uh, uh, dump passes. They were throwing the ball 30, 40, 50 yards up uh, field, and and they arguably had some of the greatest offenses in professional football history under Don Coriel. Don Ernie that I mean, he put San Diego State on a map at a time where they were – they had almost dropped football. Uh, in the late in the early '60s, when Don came in, and he turned them into a nationally significant program, both college and pro. Don Coriel has to be on that list, and if he's not on that list, your list isn't right. Yeah, and I agree with that. And when I was telling the guys yesterday, when I brought this subject up to him, I threw Coriel out there. You know, I, I had uh, I had Tony, I had uh, obviously. 
uh, Junior. I had Don Coriel, and my my fourth one was kind of up in the air. You know, Trevor's obviously uh, gotten a lot of notoriety. You bring up Marshall Falk, and I'll tell you, I'm surprised this morning that we haven't really had anybody uh, uh, call in and talk about Marshall Falk. I think we had one caller early in the program, but Marshall Falk and Bill, you were covering the Aztecs, if I'm not mistaken, back when he was here. Uh, and I know you were around the program at that time. I mean, Marshall Falk, right. the impact that he had, not only on the football field, but on the box office for San Diego State was amazing. He was an incredible athlete, and I don't like to the word incredible often but I remember one run down the sideline against USC where USC's got let's face it the top talent in the country and he outrun he outran two defensive backs (laughs) going down the sideline and to when when I saw that was an absolute wow moment for me what was that a 28-28 tie or 35-35 something like that it was a tie, and they should have won that game and what that would have done for the program. But Marshall Falk was a once-in-a-lifetime in in a college football player. And I know they've had other great running backs, but he was beyond that. He was into a class of, by himself. No question about it. Bill Center uh, joining us on our SDCCU uh, fan hotline. Uh, you can find Bill uh, writing at Padres.com and the Friar Wire. Bill, uh, let's talk about the Padres. Great win last night against a red-hot Seattle team. Seattle uh, had only lost uh, two previous road games. They were 11-2, and two and uh, Padres went out, got good uh, pitching uh, from their starting uh, starter. The bullpen was fantastic. Some timely hits. Guys taking the ball over the boards last night. Fran Mel Reyes. Uh, good to get a little mojo before they get ready to go out on the road. This is going to be a long road trip. I'm a little disappointed, actually. i got to say that if you're going to be a contender for a playoff spot, wherever you are, in big, you have to win games at home. And to come in and have a five-game losing streak and, and at that time fall to four and eight at, at at home you have to win at home that's one thing that you must do and i'm glad to see the padres get the last couple but you've got to win games at home hey bill we've been talking a lot and you know you and i have been around i mean you're a little bit older than me and you remember the days probably at lane field and i remember them at westgate park and we certainly remember all the years uh, out at uh, you know Jack Murphy Stadium and, and the, all the different names it's been. I, I say Jack Murphy because Jack Murphy had a lot to do with that stadium uh, ever being built. I remember that as, as a youngster. But you know, to sit up in the press box right now and watch Fernando Tatis Jr. at 20 years of age and what he's doing right now. I mean, you, you and I have waited a long time for something like this. He is he, he is uh, a really Uh, I doubt that they've ever had an all-around talent at shortstop like he is. Yes, Ozzie Smith was a great defensive shortstop when he was here, but he was not an offensive player. Uh, I cannot wait to see Tatis over the next five, six years develop. (laughs) It's going to be amazing how good he might be. I mean, last night he made a play, and he made a brilliant play that even caught uh, Manny Machado by surprise. He fielded the ball in a hole and wanted to go to third, and, and Manny was hustling to the bag, didn't get there. But the great thing about Tatis is, okay, a lot of players 
missing that play would have just swallowed the ball. He double he threw the first and got the runner still going the first, which is for a twenty year old to be thinking like that and instinctively make that play tells me an awful lot. Well, the thing that amazes me is how uh, him and Machado and Hosmer uh, have really become, uh, you know, a good group of guys. And I know, you know, uh, Machado and, and Hosmer had a relationship because they work out down in Florida. But it seemed like Machado took a liking to Tatis Jr. right from day one and uh, has been his biggest advocate to this point. Right. For my, and, you know, and before, before he came to San Diego, Manny talked, I want to be a shortstop, I want to be a shortstop. And the second uh, he had a chance to come to San Diego and he knew about Tatis, is, I'm going to be fine at third base. That tells you an awful lot about those two people and about Tatis as a, as, as a young developing player. Hey, i got to ask you, do you have today's lineup yet? You normally get that pretty early, don't you? No, I have not seen it yet. Actually, I've been working on a bunch of other stuff that I do daily each day, and I haven't even looked for the lineup yet. Well, the reason I'm asking, Jim Russell and I were talking earlier, and I was saying, you know, uh, Francisco Mejia is not getting a lot of playing time, and, and I, I said, you know, you've got to be in the lineup today, you know, you got a, a, a day game after a night game, and Jim goes, yeah, but you got right. a day off tomorrow, and Austin Hedges, you know, he could catch Paddock, and I'm saying, well, you know what? This guy, you got to get this guy more playing time because he's a little bit out of sorts right now, both offensively and he's had a little bit of struggles behind the plate already, just catching the ball. And, you know, if you're not going to play him a day game after a night game just because of an off day, you got to think about maybe getting him a little more work down in the minor leagues because right now, Austin Hedges is the guy and he needs to be catching five out of every seven games at least. Right, and uh, that's a very interesting point, and I'm not quite sure right now if it's serving the Padres in the long run to have Mejia up here uh, not seeing a little more time. I know Andy wants to get him uh, a more balance, and that moving forward, I think that's going to happen, particularly with the run of games they've got coming. Uh, they might. Hedges did hit that. Well, he hit a home run off of uh, I'm Alex Smith's uh, love. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you might want to win this last game. I, you know, I well, you certainly want to win it. So I don't know what they're going to do. I would say it's probably Mejia in there tonight. I know yesterday they really wanted uh, Hedges in that game, and Andy actually talked about it. Uh, before last night's game, that there was a spe- couple specific reasons why Hedges caught Marvicious uh, last night and and not uh, Mejia. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Hey, Bill, what are they going to do at second base? I mean, I, I like Ian Kinsler. I'm a big fan of Ian Kinsler's. I, I've watched his career uh, at all the different stops he's made, uh, you know, uh, whether it be Texas or Detroit or last year with the Angels in Boston. This guy's been a great pro. He brings an edge, I think, uh, to the clubhouse and to the diamond. But, you know, he's just not getting it done with the bat. He's still doing a great job defensively. We saw Uriah he wasn't able to get it done. He gets shipped out. Uh, you got Ty France down there, the kid out of San Diego State who's hitting over 400 right now. I know he's not a second baseman by trade, but can you uh, see the Padres sacrificing some uh, defense for offense by maybe uh, uh, toying with the idea of bringing up Ty France? I Right now, I don't see it. I think they want to get one of the guys that they're counting on at second base to get 
offensively. Uh, the defense at second, uh, from everything from range to making tags, has been excellent. And right now, it's defense and uh, pitching that's carried this ball club to their 13-11 record. It hasn't been their offense. I don't think that they want to really give up that defense right now to take a chance on on Ty France at second. And I, I've never been a big fan of numbers in the PCL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I like I mean he's got France has great numbers, but they don't automatically, as we've learned with uh, Luis Urias, in fact, that they don't automatically uh, come go to the to the uh, National League. So right now I'm sticking with Kinsler. I'm hoping that Urias really gets hot, starts hitting the ball and not swinging through pitches like he had been up here. And I still want one of those two guys to be my second baseman. Hey, let me ask you this. We were talking about this last week on the program, and I went back and I I looked at the infield of the 1984 team that went to the World Series. I looked at the 1998 team that went to the World Series, and and you were covering the teams uh, back then, and you you know all all the familiar faces and names. I'm looking at this team right now, and I don't know where this team's going to go. I don't know if they're going to be a 500 team or over 500 or under 500. But when I look at first base, second base, shortstop, and third base right now, this very well may be the best defensive infield the Padres have ever put out there. By far. I don't think there's a question to that. I've, I've, John, interesting you brought that up because I've looked at this. I went back and I looked at every defensive infield that the Padres put out there. And people talk about the uh, 84 team, but there were a lot of errors at second and I hate to say at third with Greg Mills. Right. But there were a lot of errors in that infield. Uh, the, the 98 team, uh, while it was had really good defensive stats, didn't have close to the range that uh, this team had defensively. Uh, this is, to me, and this is just my judgment from what I've seen, is this is the best defensive infield they've ever put out there. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the 84 team. I was looking, Alan Wiggins at second base made like 23 errors that year. Right, right. I mean, he had range, but Wiggins was uh, the outfielder who moved to second base. Right. Now, that was a great that was a great move. That made that ball club a lot better. But he was out of position, and he had a lot of errors. Did he have range? Yes. But he made a lot of errors at second. People uh, people forget that. <laughs> they look back, and it's like, okay, boy, that, that looks like a good field. It, Nettles was a little bit older. at. Uh, he was 39 at years third. old that year. Right. Uh, Tempe. Everything that Tempe got through, got to, he turned into an out. No question about that. But the range on the left side wasn't what the range on the left side is now. And on the right side, Garvey was, I mean, Garvey was an amazing uh, glove man. There's no question about it. But the other three positions don't match up to the three they got right now. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Garvey uh, wouldn't throw the ball to second base a lot of the time, uh, but Eric Hosmer makes that 3-6-3 or 3-6-1 double play look pretty easy. Right, but everything that was thrown Garvey's way, despite his lack of height, he he did an incredible job at picking balls and stopping balls. 
hit to his side of the infield. I mean, he was really a good defensive first baseman. Well, he saved that infield a lot of errors. There's no question about that. Hey, Bill, as always, thanks so much for the time, and uh, always enjoy having you on. You know that. Hey, Coach, anytime. It's always a pleasure. You take care. Have a great day, Billy. Thank you. There's uh, Bill Center uh, from... uh, Padres.com and the Friar Wire, longtime writer at the Union Tribune. Uh, nice enough to join us on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. You can nominate SDCCU Best Credit Union in the Union Tribune Reader's Poll daily at SDCCU.com slash nominate. San Diego County Credit Union. It's not big bank banking. It's better. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.